Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the F1 show for the 2008 Bahrain Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau. That, that's it? You got nothing? I got nothing. Should I? I guess I'll just do the race Great, report. Race report. Okay. Ferrari dominates in the desert of Bahrain with Felipe Massa taking his first victory of the year and quieting, at least temporarily, the press about his capabilities. Raikkonen followed behind in second. His clean drive added eight points to his tally, giving him the championship lead. Pole sitter Robert Kubica managed third place, followed closely by his teammate Nick Heidfeld. Perhaps more impressively, this result catapults BMW Sauber to the Constructor Championship lead. Lewis Hamilton qualified a reasonable third, but the McLaren driver had a miserable start and never recovered. His, he finished 13th behind Giancarlo Fisichella driving for Team Force India. Say what? That's what I said. Fifth place came to the steady hands of Heike Kovalainen, finishing where he qualified and quietly becoming a contender for the championship. Behind him was Truly, giving Toyota three solid finishes in three races. Glock, while not in the points, managed to at least keep the car under him and cross the checker in ninth. Two top tens for Toyota is a good result for them. Weber finished seventh for Red Bull Renault, and Rosberg helped Patrick Head keep a reasonable heart rate by scoring a point for Williams Toyota, finishing eighth. Well, Jim, a bit of a bland race aside from Polish mania. What did you think? And he's not here. I'm by myself. No, I'm back. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, well, Massa made his trademark Bahrain comeback. All right, uh, he, which is just like in 07, he had a you know disastrous start to the season, and all of a sudden, you know, just when everyone's sort of saying, "Oh, Moss is out, it's time to fire him," you know, get rid of him, get somebody else, he comes back and wins. Is and, he uh, trademarked already? I mean, that's it's only happened twice now. Yeah, but to make the same kind of comeback in Bahrain is you know the third race of the season, and to just just in, just in time when you know the media is really you know right on him about being being a poor driver, he just comes back and silences them. And last year, he went on and won the following race as well. So we'll have to see if he can repeat that this year. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see if this is a comeback or a fluke. Uh, I, I don't want to say that it's either, honestly. He's seemed to be a contender coming into the beginning and midseason last year. And then, to me, he kind of fell apart a bit, got a bit emotional behind the wheel. And Raikkonen really took the lead as he got more comfortable with the team as a lead driver. Now, first three races are done in 08. He's had two DNFs and one good race at a track he's really happy with. So which one, which one's kind of the comeback and which one's kind of the fluke? You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll have to see if this is the exception or the rule. And I kind of agree with you. I think it's probably more the exception that uh, probably Kimi will continue to go on and, and be the stronger Ferrari driver. And I think this is a, a fluke for McLaren as well. I mean, um, you know, having such a poor performance from Hamilton this weekend, and Heike did a decent job but was never really was able to match the pace of the Ferraris. Um, on track, although he did set fastest lap at the end uh, by a considerable margin, but I think that's just because the uh, Ferraris weren't pushing very hard. Yeah, it, it's pretty obvious that the Ferraris owned Bahrain this uh, this race. They had a uh, very solid 1-2 race going on. The only person that ever threatened Massa was Kimi, and not even that much. There were times where 
uh, Kimi was closing, but we're talking about closing from five seconds to four seconds, not on his tail or anything like that. Yeah, there was really not a threat to, to pass there. However, you know, it's been a Ferrari-McLaren uh, preseason, uh, last season, and this year, but it was not Ferrari-McLaren today. Oh, no, BMW was in, in a big way. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, Robert Kubica was on pole and uh, just had just put in a, a brilliant lap for uh, for the qualifying. Um, and, you know, no one else, you know, we, we were really excited to see him go off. There were all these talks about he'd be the first, um, he was the first Polish driver to ever be on pole position. And um, we're not going to shorten the word Polish. We've heard that enough. We've heard that pun enough. Yes. Um, but um, just to, uh, you know, all this talk of, oh, he could be you know, the first ever Polish driver to win. This could be really amazing. And, you know, first BMW win as, as the, the BMW Sauber team. Um, and uh, none of that happened because uh, Raikkonen just, uh, you know, Kubica didn't get a brilliant start. Uh, Massa got around him, and then and then Raikkonen by lap two um, was had had passed uh, Kubica, and he was just uh, in third spot for pretty much the rest of it. Yeah, that was the end of it. Massa passed Kubica before he even got to turn one. Yep. And then Raikkonen was around him a lap later. So, you know, they didn't obviously have the race pace, but. Kubica is proving to be very competitive here, and Heidfeld as well. He did not have a very strong qualifying session, but you know they, he, Heidfeld finished fourth, not too far behind Kubica, and there was actually a question as to whether it was going to be Kubica or Heidfeld that was on the podium uh, as the lead BMW Sauber driver. Heidfeld was pitting after Kubica and had a 21.5-second lead, and there was it was going to be close on who came out first. At the end of the day, uh, Kubica did. I think Kubica earned it. He had the pole. He got a lot of notoriety for BMW Sauber. But I, I, I want to say both drivers, I thought, performed very well. Yeah, and Nick Heidfeld has sort of been the unsung hero this season because he's the only driver that has actually completed every single lap that's gone on. He's never been a lap down, and he's, uh, I think, scored points in all the races. So that's definitely a big part of why BMW is is leading the Constructor Championship right now, which is still, I, I stagger in saying it because it just doesn't seem like it can quite be right between Ferrari and McLaren, but... Um, both team, both the uh, Ferrari and McLaren have had problems and had drivers outside of points. And uh, Nick Heidfeld has been really strong in just in getting these finishes and just being a solid performer. And if he can get up to the same pace as Kubica and you know get an occasional pull, I really think they can win this year. And they're already a big factor in the constructors' championship. Absolutely. Now I'm still going to hold on to my prediction that Heidfeld's going to bring the first win, but Kubica is proving that it's going to be awfully close. But here's what we got going on for the season so far. Constructors' championship is. BMW Sauber has 30 points, Ferrari has 29 points, McLaren has 28 points. So we're talking about three teams that are awfully close. And in terms of driver wins, Lewis Hamilton won Australia, yeah. Kimi Raikkonen won Malaysia, and now Felipe Massa has won Bahrain. We've got three races, three winners, and a Constructors' Championship that is about as close as it can get. Yeah, and keep in mind, for a Constructor, there's up to 18 points available at an event with, if they have a 1-2 finish. So the fact that they're only separated by two points among the top three teams really says it's still completely wide open. Which is really fantastic. And if B- BMW continues to steadily improve, which it has pretty much since it entered the sport yeah. as a full Constructor, then we're going to have a very strong three-way uh, battle at the end. I, I can't wait. Exactly. Um, you know, but uh, as far as the, the, the losing end of the field, um, Lewis Hamilton this weekend, uh, his weekend started off poorly on Friday when he had a pretty big crash. Um, just got on, on the power, I think, a little too early and got the car sideways, ended up skidding into the wall, and they, apparently the mechan- mechanics were up all night rebuilding his car um, so he could get back out and qualify on Saturday. Um, he qualified 
What did he wear? Third. He, he qualified third. Yeah, it was a solid performance. He ended up getting getting pipped by Massa and then uh, Kubica at the end. But, uh, you know, did a, a reasonable job. But um, his start was absolutely horrible. Um, he said, and I don't quite understand, because uh, they don't have launch control, but they do have an engine map that's specific for um, for launches, for race starts. Um, but somehow, uh, which Hamilton, some could argue is a mild form of launch control. Yeah. But everyone has it. It's the SCCU. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically, um, from what I can glean from this report, from this interview with Lewis, um, he had the engine sort of in the wrong mode. He said the anti-stall kicked in. Um, basically, it hadn't hit the switch early enough, and therefore we weren't in the launch map, and then it went straight into anti-stall. So everyone else was in their launch mode, and I wasn't, is a quote from Lewis. Well, here's what I don't understand. Even, even if you're not in launch mode, we're talking about engine mapping, which is essentially fuel mapping, how the fuel is delivered when, mm-hmm. then... Being in launch mode or not being in launch mode, if you're dumping the clutch with the engine with the engine regs pegged, you shouldn't be anywhere near the anti-stall control. So it must not just be that he was in launch control. He must have he must have fumbled the clutch somehow. And I would think. Yeah. Well, he said it was all, it was a mistake on his part, and then af- then the anti-stall system hurt him even more. And for some reason, he couldn't get up. But I can't un- understand unless the engine revs were falling. How the anti-stall would even be in play, right? But Unless the engine's engine's uh, anti-stall is calibrated incorrectly, it probably saved him from keeping yeah, the engine. Yeah, because if stall. he'd stalled, that would have been even worse. So, but, I think what it comes down to is we've been talking about these new, uh, you know, traction control is gone, engine brake assist is gone, and launch control is gone. Well, I think the lack of launch control has claimed its first victim here, and it happened to be Hamilton. Yeah, well. Technically, hasn't launch control been gone for a few years? I mean, as a, as just a totally driver unassisted. In terms of you know uh, uh, words on a piece of paper that are the rules, yes. <laughs> but in terms in, of in practice, a, they have in, had in practice yeah. they've had ways to control the launch. Um, before they had ways of of making the thing pretty much fully automated. The drivers didn't do anything. Yeah. In the last few years, uh, it was less automated, but the engine control basically using the traction control functionality and a few other bits made the launch control. You know, the engines had to physically dump the clutch, but the engine pretty much did everything else. And now they don't have that. They have the launch control fuel map, but it's it's not governed by any sort of traction control or anything like that. So if they spin the tires too much, they spin the tires too much. If they don't spin it up, they don't spin it up, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So this is the first year with no real help. Yeah, and which... We were really excited to see at the the first round, you know, in the first race in Australia to see. And everyone did fine. You know, how is this going to work? This is all going to be crazy. And it was all really pretty drama-free. I mean, it was a pretty typical F1 start. And this time, it's it's unfortunate that it happened to Lewis Hamilton because I happen to like him as a driver and everything. And I want to see him do well this year. But uh, it just shows it can happen to anyone. And, and you know, that we we sort of forget, we sort of take for granted that these car, that these drivers are going to have decent starts. But even that is, is a, you know, pretty big feat in itself. Although they do practice starts very very often and it's one of the one of the few times they don't have a whole lot of outside influence because they can practice a start just like it's going to be in the race i mean they they don't it's not like practicing a pass where it's going to be a little bit different every time and you're worried about another driver's reaction the actual launching of the car should be about the same whether they're leaving their pit box whether they're you know just on track and you know practicing their starts and whatever they all started the cars from uh for their installation lap you know they do a lot of starts well yes and, and yes and no though because you know, they don't know what the surface gonna, is going to be like once they actually get to their starting position for the start of the race. They don't know exactly what the air temperature is going to be like. They don't know exactly what the temperatures of their tires are going to be like. They have control over these things to an extent, but, you know, 
the surface being clean or dirty can have an effect and all these other things, plus getting the timing just right with the lights as opposed to just practicing it on your own. So there are actual added difficulties to the race start as com- as compared to well, sure, it's know, not it's, it's not exactly the same as practicing, but uh, it is it, it is interesting to see that Lewis Hamilton had this problem, and then he was trying so hard to make up time that he just kept making mistakes, and you know we saw him just locking up tires, going into a bunch of different corners, and ended up coming out of on, on the second lap, um, he's coming out of a corner. Um, right behind Fernando Alonso, actually, he's back in what 14th spot or something at this point, 15th even, and uh, and he's coming up behind Alonso, and I think uh, you know he meant to go to the right to go around Alonso. Alonso went went to the right at the same time. He pizza when he should have French fried. Exactly, I think. he zigged when he should have zagged. And uh, <laughs> Hamilton's car actually went his uh, front wheels actually went up on the on the back wheels of Alonso's car, and the, the one car sort of mounted the other. It was really kind of strange. It was but, like uh, uh, it was like two dogs. For a moment there. Oh, if only our audience could see the visual Robin's making with his hands right now. That would be just spectacular. Uh, but uh, I no, think it, they it actually, can, you know. Okay. Uh, but it, it broke Hamilton's front wing. It actually um, took a big gash out of uh, Fernando Alonso's rear wing. Right. But Alonso didn't actually have to stop from that. Uh, Hamilton obviously had to go in and, and do a pit stop right then to get a whole new front end on the car. And that sent him back even farther. So then he's just oh, sure. way back in the race and, and, you know, back in 18th or something pretty bad. Yeah, he came out 18th, and he didn't really improve that much from there. Yeah, it was just a real long fight up. So he was just, whether he was just trying so hard and, and lost focus for a second or was, you know, really just overdriving a little bit, um, it's uncharacteristic for Lewis because usually, uh, you know, when faced with these situations, he tries to make the best of them. And, of course, he was trying again today, but just it really sort of fell apart for him, and uh, it was too bad. Well, I've been saying for over a year now that he's bound to make some mistakes. He's only a rookie, and all these things are going to happen. He just happened to make these mistakes in his sophomore year, uh, so, you know, whatever. Uh, but here we, you know, here's the thing that I found most striking about Lewis's performance today is he finished 13th, well out of the points, and behind Giancarlo Fisichella. I said that in the race report, but I think it bears repeating. You know, and, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, digged on Fisichella a little bit last weekend, but I have to say, he's he's kind of holding it down for Team Force India, and he kept Alonzo behind him, which, ironically enough, he couldn't do in the Renault last year. But yeah. <laughs> whatever, what can you do? Yeah, it was, it was interesting that, you know, even, even Hamilton, um, his Hamilton's car should have been back up, um, to full strength, uh, once he had the new wing on, he'd you know, he'd done a couple of pit stops, he'd sure. got tires. There wasn't any, I mean, there could have been some residual suspension damage or something, but nothing that uh, they talked about in the race report or anything uh, that, that we read about. So uh, there's no reason uh, Hamilton shouldn't have been able to just blow, blow him away, but we've got to give credit to uh, Giancarlo Fisichella in here for keeping Hamilton behind him and uh, putting in a pretty solid drive. Well, it's interesting. I read a racer article about Fisichella uh, between uh, the Malaysian and Bahrain Grand Prix, and what's funny is this is... This is his third time back to this race team. He he raced for Jordan, left, came back to Jordan. Now he's coming back as it is now Team Force India. It's changed team names three times since he was there last. But it's a lot of the same guys, a lot of the same crew. And he was saying, you know, <clears throat> obviously you can tell in between the lines that he would rather be in a top team, but that he appreciates being in the sport. He wants to build a team. He feels that's a good challenge. He knows a lot of the mechanics there, and he feels really comfortable in that team. And I have to say, I think that's something he never really had at Renault because his performance was so sporadic. You know, he's he's an emotional Italian. That's part of it, but like <laughs> not to generalize. Not to generalize. I'm saying he was. Yeah. Not all the Italians, just okay. him. Okay. Does that make no? Okay. No, not really. Anyway, so part of it is, you know, it's kind of a coming home for him in a sense. Not the best coming home, uh, you know, veteran driver would want, but. 
you know, so far I have to say his performance has been pretty good in the team. I mean, he's been completely uh, annihilating Adrian Sutil. Yeah, and uh, the fact that he could, you know, keep keep Hamilton in, uh, behind him today was, was obviously speaks well for that as well. But at the end of the day, Hamilton had a bad weekend. He did not drive well. You know, if you look at his fastest lap time. It was third it, slowest of everyone's, yeah. Yeah, you know, more than two seconds off. His teammate, Heike Kovalainen, who had the fastest lap, of the race by a country mile, so... Yeah, Heike Kovalainen's lap was a 133-193. And uh, next best was Nick Heidfeld with a 133-565. So, like, three, four-tenths of a second apart. And uh, it came up near the end of the race just kind of out of nowhere. Uh, Heike just sort of felt like he needed to put his stamp on the race and sort of say, yeah, I can do a fast lap. And uh, just threw one in the bag of a really, really good lap. So, uh then, you know, well done, Hecky. Um, he did a solid drive. I mean, he uh, I think he gained one spot, right? He Well, he, he finished fifth. No, no, he, fifth. he finished okay. where he started. He gained spots early on, but then yeah. lost them back. Yeah, so, so uh, just, you know, we didn't see a whole lot from him because there wasn't nearly as much drama there as there was later on in the field. But, uh, you know, a, a solid drive from Hecky Kovalainen. And I think another uh, solid drive, the, the, the solid drive awards for the week, is uh, Mark <laughs> Weber. Yeah, yeah, Mark Weber finished seventh. And, you know, compared to David Coulthard finishing 18th I mean, right, in, right. in the sister car. So really good job, Weber, this weekend to just, you know, again, sort of not a sort of a drama-free, um, didn't do anything super amazing, but uh, a real solid drive. And, and with seventh spot is, is good times, and, and, you know, two points is definitely good for that team. Oh, yeah, let's look at the numbers here. You know, Weber qualified 11th. David Coulthard qualified 17th. Weber finished 7th. Coulthard finished 18th. You know, and he put points on the board for Renault. You know, you can't really. For Red Bull, Renault, yeah. For Red Bull Renault, you know, he's he's been having a good performance, and so far, the uh, Adrian Newey car has been holding up reasonably well for him. And finally, he's having a little bit of good luck. Yeah, that's that's always the thing that's frustrating with Mark Webber is to see him. Um, he's got a good attitude, and and you know he's never really broken into uh, being a top driver, even though he's been in F1 for a long time, <clears throat> and uh, just tends to have really bad luck, which is a shame. So it's good to see Mark Webber just putting in a solid drive and getting valuable points. <laughs> 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 oh, are we going? <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> and the wheels oh, have fallen off the wagon. So you got nothing again. I thought we we we've been through this already once in the podcast. You no, know, I wanted to talk about Honda, but I really didn't have a good way to start talking about. Okay, Honda. I'll okay. talk about Honda. All right, Button Jensen Button started ninth. Yeah, man, top Not ten. Bad. Made it in Q three, and then we as soon as we saw he made it in the top ten, we both figured, okay, so he's tenth. Yeah, you no, know, he's no way ninth. He's he beat Alonso. Yeah, man. So well done uh, qualifying. However, and then the race started. Uh, what happened? Uh, Nineteen laps in, he retired. Ooh, why? Why did he do that? Accident damage. Ooh, how that happened? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I do. David Coulthard. Uh, here's what happened. Oh yes, Jensen Button. I don't know if he missed his brake zone or if he was trying to outbreak Coulthard, but he broke way late, and Coulthard came in and he basically smashed into the front of Coulthard. Luckily, the way they hit Coulthard's suspension, everything was okay, but. Jensen's wing was all screwed up, and I think he banged up some of his suspension, too. Yeah, he came in for a new wing, and then they decided it was terminal and that he couldn't get back out on track, so it was it was too bad. Yeah, that is, uh, I remember that. Although, I would say Coulthard more closed the door on him. I mean, that's, it was it was debatable because Coulthard can't be entirely expected to watch a guy who's behind him when he's running right. his own race. Um, but at the same time, um, if he had sort of, you know, seeing Jensen closing so quickly, 
gotten out of the way, figuring, hey, there's no way this guy's going to make the corner. I'm just going to get out of the way, let him slide off into the distance, and I'll just go on my way. True enough, but Jensen made his move awfully late. I, so it, it, it's it may have been to, too late for Coulthard to react. It, it's hard to say. And here's the thing. Button had to be frustrated because the way the Honda car was set up this weekend, and I think the way the car is kind of designed in general, it was actually really a really good handling car, really good under braking because it's running more downforce and, as a result, more drag. So here's the problem. He can brake later than Coulthard can. He can corner faster than Coulthard can. But his exit speed's junk, and his straightaway speed is terrible. So all Coulthard had to do was keep his keep his uh, reasonably good line, and Button couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, because by the end of any straightaway, which is where they always want to pass it, it's a he slow corner. He a couple of car lengths. Yeah, you know, David Coulthard had plenty of length, and, and there, there wasn't uh, plenty of a lead, and there wasn't any, any place, uh, you know, Jensen Button was just too far back to actually make a good move. So here's the interesting thing. The, the one neat thing about this Honda is it's a cleaner-looking car than just about any other car on the grid, and I kind of like that. But there's one exception that I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but he's got that stair-step barge board. And this is right in front of the air inlets, on the, like on the front, on the, the bottom front of the side pods. On the, on the bottom of the car. Just in front of the side Yeah, pods. by the radiators. Yeah. yeah, so it's got this stair-stepping thing, and every other car... Has got some smooth, swoopy bit, and they've got this very right angle, hard edge things, and I can't. That's got to create little bits of turbulence here and there. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's really the only hard edges on a Formula One car. I mean, even the wings are really swoopy and everything on, on every car now, and, and there's all these curves to them and, and complex geometry. But these, they just have these hard edges, and we cannot figure out why or what those would possibly do for them. When you were a kid, did you, when you were in, like in grade school, maybe middle school? Did you know anybody that had steps in their hair? Like in the side of their hair, there'd be like shaved and then a little bit of hair, and then shaved and a little bit of hair, and they called they were called steps. Yeah, I do remember that. A yes. friend of mine in like third or fourth grade had those, and I was like, dude, those look weird. They're not aerodynamic. And see, that's the same thing. Wow. You know, that's, that was a good observation all the way back then to to think about that in a Formula One context is really amazing to me. Uh, yeah, what's remarkable is that Honda has gone back to that. Has gone back to steps. So Honda is like in like 1990 right now. Maybe is kind of where was, they are in terms of hairstyle aerodynamics. Maybe Ross Braun wanted steps when he was his kid, and his parents said, no, that's not proper English. And now his... It's, and he's like, well, F that. I'm going to have steps on something. That, that's probably what happened. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, if, if anyone out there in the F1 show world has an explanation for that, I'd love to hear it because intuitively I can't think of any reason to do that. It seems to me that would create little eddies and turbulences in the air right after that uh, uh, barge board and it only hurt performance. And, you know, this car is drag heavy. So maybe that is their problem is that those, that's creating too much turbulence and uh, which raises the question of why they would come up with that design in the beginning because it's not one of those that looks fast. It doesn't seem like that's where they would start. Especially in an otherwise very clean car. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely strange. And we don't really have any insight into that. So if you do, please help us out. Yeah, so anyway, you know, Rubens Barrichello ended up finishing 11th. The Honda car seems reasonable, but they're still making compromises. And it's unfortunate because, you know, they need to be making better ground than they are. But there still seems to be positive steps here, not turns for the worst, turns for the worst. So, yeah. you know, like we we, we, we got to give this team a year before we can really comment on its performance. I guess. And if only they were doing as well as Toyota. Mm. Absolutely. Another very good drive for Toyota. Both both cars uh, finishing in the top ten, truly again scoring points. Toyota now has how many points? I think it's eight points in the constructors championship, 
And that's also eight points for Yarno Trulli in the Drivers' Championship. So he's been scoring every race, and he's been doing well. Yeah, Timo Glock had uh, the big, pretty spectacular crash in Australia and a uh, less spectacular crash last weekend uh, in, in Malaysia. In the, like, last race weekend, yeah, a, a, in, like first lap. Yeah, so he really hasn't had that much time to uh, that much time behind the wheel. I mean, I guess in Australia it was later in the race, so he had he had time. But uh, it's you know, Timo Glock really hasn't turned in a good result for them yet. So it was good to see him uh, finish a race, and uh, and you know ninth spot is is respectable. Um, you know it's it's solid mid pack, and uh, Toyota in the is I guess they're behind Williams. They're Toyota's fifth place in the uh, constructors championship. Um, we know the top three BMW, Ferrari, and McLaren, and then Williams is sort of the best of the rest right now, um, using Toyota engines actually, yep. um, with ten points, and then Toyota there with eight. So they're you know competing using with their Williams gearboxes. Ooh, that's true. How about that? They're uh, so they're competing with their uh, sort of cousin cars, if you will. Absolutely. Quick note: zero gearbox issues this race. We mentioned that last podcast. Uh, the four race minimum for those gearboxes now. Uh, no incident this weekend. Hot, that's hard right. race. No big deal. And uh, next weekend will be the fourth race of the year. So we'll have to, or in three weeks from now. But the next race will be the fourth yeah. race, and we'll have to see if. Uh, we have a deluge of gearbox problems or not. My prediction is that we will not. Yeah, the, you know, but we have to, you know, Toyota's performance here seems to be a lot more consistent. I have to say, every year the competition is getting stronger and stronger. You know, for the last few years it was kind of basically Ferrari and the rest, and then Toyota would have spots of brilliance, and then it was McLaren and the rest last year a bit, although Ferrari ended up winning. But uh, this year, really, BMW is coming into form, and McLaren's still going to be strong, and Ferrari's obviously still strong. So, you know, Toyota's got much tougher competition, and they're collecting solid points. And truly, for all the jokes we made about him last year, he's qualifying reasonably well. He's not having the best race starts yet, but, I mean, he's finishing in the points. Yeah, and ultimately that's what it comes down to. And uh, like we've talked about with uh, – we haven't talked about so much, but – um, with Nick Heidfeld being uh, second in the Drivers' Championship without without winning a race, um, you know he's got 16 points and he's ahead of Lewis Hamilton and Kubica and Kovalainen and Massa. You know that these mid these mid place finishes, these points finishes really add up. And even if you're not winning and getting all the glory, getting a lot of points is still very very important. And certainly you know come the end of the season, um, they're going to just want all the points they can possibly have. So it's it's good to get some on the board early on. Well, and this this is something that actually just popped in my mind right now. Uh, one thing they mentioned was uh, Fernando Alonso. Uh, he finished 10th. Okay, you know, not bad for Renault. He's still outpacing uh, uh, Nelson Piquet by a long shot. Apparently there is a clause in Alonso's contract to allow him to leave leave the car, after, leave the team after this year if they do not finish well enough. There's like a performance clause. And Which is basically his out because he knew he was going to to a weaker team in Renault Absolutely. Than, than McLaren. And just basically said, if if this turns out to really suck and I'm just in a really slow car, I want an out because I'm Fernando Alonso and I'm brilliant and I deserve the best. Right. Basically, right? And then the rumors are that he might replace Massa at Ferrari. Mm-hmm. But here's my question. If Toyota continues to do well, it seems like he'd be a much better fit to replace Glock at Toyota. Glock still has some time to prove himself, but gosh, you know, Truly's been doing pretty well, outperforming Glock, and Truly's getting old. I bet you Alonzo could get some real results out of that car, and I'm sure Toyota can afford him. Yeah, but can he can he kind of find a fit there? I mean, that's proved to be so important to McLaren that even though the car was brilliant, that he just didn't fit. And maybe that was more because of uh, Lewis Hamilton, and you wouldn't have the same problem at Toyota because they wouldn't be preferential treatment for Yano Truly, I, I would I imagine. I think so, no. But, um... You wonder if how much of it is is you know his fit with Flavio Briatore and you know the whole rest of the team at Renault where he did win his championships 
Um, and, you know, we haven't heard a whole lot out of him to know if he's just super happy even though he's slow or if he'd really, you know, if he's already wishing he were in a faster car. I can't believe he'd be super happy. I think he's got to be. I mean, we're not really talking about him much. The only reason he's getting any ink or any real talk at all is because he's a former world championship. But he's going down the road of Jacques Villeneuve here. I think he's a much better driver than Jacques. Let's not. <laughs> let's not make <laughs> comparison there. But yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, he's if he stays at this team, he has he, he has do his former glory, well. and then just kind of fades off and fizzles off. Exactly, maybe. and I, I, I don't think he wants that. I think Toyota could be the answer for him. And frankly, talking about good fits, Raikkonen and Alonso's teammates, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, true enough. And if anyone would have the budget for uh, whatever Alonso, you know, would would be asking, which I'm sure is, is considerable. It'd be Toyota. I mean, they've got more money than anyone. Plus, he could probably get a free Camry hybrid. Which is totally what he wants. <laughs> I'm sure. Instead of a Ferrari. Instead of a Ferrari. Cause, or, you um, know. Those or, aren't fuel efficient at all. A Renault. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. Anyway, that's all speculation, but it kind of came up this race, so I thought I'd mention it. Because, you know, so far it's been three races in. Glock's been okay, but far from great. So, uh, moving on. Well, I mean, ultimately the race wasn't that much going on we had some battles of fastest lap going on but very few actual competition on track yeah i was hoping for like a brilliant drive from the back once lewis was sort of down and out that he would just storm back through the field make a bunch of brilliant passes and and all that and that didn't really happen pull a raikkonen as it were yeah um not so much that maybe raikkonen would find a way to get around Massa, maybe on pit strategy and use his you know sort of cunning engineering sense to 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 work out some great way to pass Massa and um that didn't happen. No. Um, well, or the Toyota would come out, you know, with a strong qualifying performance, and they would actually be up there, you know, challenging the BMWs. And, no. Uh, that didn't happen. Well, Raikkonen is the Iceman, and apparently he wanted the world to know that he was the Iceman. I didn't know about this. Apparently this happened months ago, but he's got his big tattoo on his forearm. Oh, yeah. It's like this. It's What is it, a dragon? No, or a, it's, or a, it's his Iceman a logo. A Japanese character? That it's just all stylized and crazy looking. And uh, He's got an Iceman logo? Why? Yeah, man, because he's the Iceman. So I don't know who would, like, you know, who's going to see Kimi Raikkonen not knowing he's Kimi Raikkonen or not knowing he's the Iceman until they see his tattoo. Like, hey, look at that. Oh, look, that's the Iceman. But, hey, I mean, you you win the world championship. You, I think you get to have whatever you can. You can come up with some weird-ass tattoo if you want. I mean, you know, I think that's that's fair game for for Kimi to go out and go nuts. I mean, you know, Formula 1 world champion. What do you want? I guess, but it just looks weird to me. Oh, his wife's pretty hot. I'm I'm looking at uh, Google Images right now, and I'm trying to get a good image of this tattoo. Okay, you know what's... No, the best, the, the best thing about Kimi Reckon's tattoo is that it's an Iceman logo. It's just kind of stylized. It almost looks like graffiti or something, you know, but it's it's his Iceman. Um, but it covers up his old tattoo, which was a little sunshine with a smiley face in the middle. And I am not making this up. Oh, it's, no, I, there's a, there's are you a seeing? picture of yes. the sunshine and the smiley face. And it's like, the, it's wow. like a little, like, second grader sticker, kind of a, like, <laughs> like a sticker you'd have on a Trapper Keeper. Wow. And that, that was Kimi Raikkonen's previous tattoo. So I guess he was like, I need something way more badass than this because I'm a Formula One world champion. I need something really big that can cover up this old wanky tattoo that I got when I was super drunk in Finland one time. I guess, but I guess I, I just, oh, wait, here's a picture of it. I don't don't understand, because like 50 years from now, right, he's going to be 77 or whatever. He's going to be like the, you know, uh, Jackie Stewart of F1, right, or something. But he's going to have this rocking tattoo. He'll probably be in this big hole in Finland somewhere. But what point is, 
He's going to have this old, wrinkly, bizarre tattoo, and they're going to be like, what the F is that, Reich? And then he's like, oh, I do not know. I was nice man when I was very young. It was good, but good, okay. But now it is not good. His little grandkids are going to be all asking about No, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you win the world championship, you, you have the rights to do whatever stupid-ass stuff you want to your body. And uh, if, if you wanted to have a, you know, some kind of crazy tattoo saying Iceman all on his forearm... I think he has every right to, and, and more power to you, Kimi. All right. Well, point is, I wore a Ferrari shirt today, and Ferrari went one too. So, blau. Yeah, well, I'm wearing a nice Ham- McLaren shirt. I'm wearing by a the Hamilton way. shirt. Yeah, Shut yeah. Up. Blau. Facial. Total facial. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And for the, uh, the the thank yous and the requests, we request that you visit f1show.com. Click on the Skype link to leave us voicemail. Yeah, dude. Apparently, some people have tried to do that, but it hasn't worked out, and I we we apologize for that. It should all be on, you know, Skype server. You should be able to just log into your own Skype and uh, leave us a voicemail there so we can get it and play it back on the air. But uh, um, please just, if you try to just uh, try it again, or you can always send us an email, feedback at f1show.com. No, 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 voicemail. But if they can't leave a voicemail, <sighs> then at least we'll want to hear from them. We said Masa was the greatest driver ever. Okay, Of course, he goes to win a race, but that, still. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Well, no, we did get some feedback. I know I want to thank uh, Les, Derek, and Dean for their feedback, and I'm going to pull up their emails here in uh, in one second. And well, uh, Les didn't leave an email. Les left a comment right on F1 Show. Go Les. Just yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah, which is definitely you can always re- reply right on uh, F1Show.com, right to our different posts. If you want to talk about just a uh, a particular episode and specifically. Uh, you can also go to the Facebook page. There's a link to that right on the F1 show, and that's fun because then you can sort of see uh, who the other F1 show listeners are. It's good time. And uh, if we get enough people that are sort of in the same geographical area, uh, we may have a chance where, like, for the Brazilian Grand Prix, which is actually in a reasonable hour because it's in our time zone, um, you know, hang out somewhere and, and actually watch the race and talk about it in, in person, which uh, which could be amazing. You know, Jordan left me an email saying he was going to a bar to watch the 130 running, the 130 showing of the uh, F1 race. So there's some bar somewhere that nice. actually shows the race. So we may actually have to find out about that. And uh, if you're if you're in the southeast Michigan area, which is where we are, um, you have to come uh, come join us for that at F1 Show headquarters. Whether it's at F1 Show headquarters or at some bar, because uh, you know that's that's brilliant. Um, and uh, so anyway, yeah, we're based in uh, in Michigan here, and um, I know probably not many other Formula One show fans are, but uh, hey, that's where well, we are. Seeing how Michigan is in the U.S. Well, yeah. we are the, the the Motor City after all. It's so true. I'd like to think that it's some, true. Uh, or, or hey, we're gonna you know we're gonna make it out to the Detroit Grand Prix. So if uh, we don't have any kind of a meetup, maybe uh, if some people are out there that are just motorsport fans in general, obviously it's not F1, but it's Indy cars, which is cool, right? Yeah, more on that later though. Um, yeah, fair enough. Getting ahead of yourself. Yes. Um, but uh, Dean Capitelli in his email to us um, talked about uh, setting up some kind of a, like a top. Uh, you, you know, every every contestant, you know, every person as it would, uh, yeah, would pick sort of these. These are my top five driver, you know, top five qualifying and race results, um, and uh, and you know, people will get points based on um, how close they are to what actually happens. You know, we sort of have this little prediction, kind of a fantasy F1 show, kind of a Formula One thing. Um, and we're we're going to look into that. We got to sort of figure out the best way to handle that. Yeah, it was an interesting idea. But it does seem kind of cool. And um, and part of the point being that uh, whoever is closest, whoever has the best predictions by the end of the season, um, could get some kind of a cool prize from us um, from F1 show, like fifty lira. Yes, or possibly a great number of pesos. Yes, we don't, we don't know. I mean, this may be something exotic. Um, or maybe one of you know Kim uh, <laughs> Kim Jim's old keyboards that he's got stashed away somewhere. Yeah, that's that's definitely what people want. We could want. like you know permanent marker F one show on it, so it's like it's autographed. 
wow, we should autograph stuff and send it to people. <laughs> that would be cool. Okay. Okay. But anyway, um, so we, uh, we're going to look into that and sort of see what the best way to do that is. And uh, as a uh, quick note, um, the uh, Dean's predictions, he had Lewis Hamilton finishing, you know, second and finishing second, which, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, not quite what happened. Duh, dude. Come on. I mean, obviously, and, and Hamilton had, was going to finish 13th. And and everyone knew that. I mean, and he had Kubica qualifying fifth, and I just don't know why. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. Kubica was obviously going to be on pole. Right, why so, are we even taking this guy seriously? You know, this, I don't know if this guy even really watches. He that had McLaren or, ahead of BMW. I see. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh. But uh, well, he's a Ferrari fan after all, so you know we can't trust him. That's true. That's um, true. Ferrari won too, though. Nice McLaren shirt. Shut up. <laughs> all right, and, uh, and so basically, yeah. Visit uh, visit f one show dot com. Leave us well, feedback. Hold there. on, we got we got Skype voicemails. We also want to thank Les. Uh, appreciate the compliments. Uh, you know, interesting theory. On the use of the uh, vents on the wheels, uh, we honestly don't know if there's any dual purpose. I think it's mainly a cooling slash aero thing. We've proven time and time again that we are not aerodynamicists. Yes. Um, one of us is a traction control engineer, just in time that, that uh, they ban traction control. So uh, that's that's Robin. I don't do traction control. But um, Jim just does awesome. Yeah, I I, I specialize in the speed measurement, but isn't terribly exciting for, for neither podcasting. here nor there. Yeah. So. Uh, Wow. Yeah, we don't we don't know a whole lot about aerodynamics, and uh, yeah. but if, if it's you, an interesting theory, though. I guess that's what we have for that. <laughs> but anyway, I think in general, uh, there was a third comment somewhere. Do we do we give that guy a shout out? I, th- I think we're missing something here. Now you're talking about Derek's comments. Derek, and then we had Dean. Yeah, we talked about this. Okay, which one was Derek then? I'm like I didn't talk about Derek very much. He he had some, he had some good feedback, and uh, he had some questions. It was good to see Bourdais driving the wheels off the car. We agree. Um, you know, Bourdais had a had a a, a decent performance today. Um, where did he finish? Fifteenth. Uh, Fifteenth. Not brilliant. Started Better 15th. than his t- teammate, though. He out-qualified his teammate. He out-qualified Vettel. So I think you know that deserves something. I mean, you gotta, especially for the cars that are more in the back, you gotta look teammate to teammate as much as anything. And he should, he hold, held his own. He beat a, some kid. Good for <laughs> some you. Punk, some <laughs> punk German kid. <laughs> but anyway, I I think just in general, we got, I I was just so happy that we got three comments, all very well incited. You know, obvious, strong F1 fans, good comments. I, it just makes me really happy. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's definitely good to, to get some feedback and know that uh, people are listening to us and, and uh, enjoying us, enjoying what they hear. So um, I've changed my mind. I do not think that Felipe Massa is the greatest driver of all time. I think Jacques Villeneuve is the greatest <laughs> driver of all time. <laughs> if, uh, how do you like that? Yeah, how do you like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, see, come take, on. Take that. All right. Bloody. No comments. The voicemail. I know. I really want to. I want. I want voicemail so we can play it on the air and have somebody else. Somebody else talking but us. But. I mean, obviously. I mean, we we have not the greatest voices in the world. We know this. Yeah, and Maybe, and, and our faces. Wow. If we can get James Earl Jones to comment, you think he's a Formula One fan? I, well, if I don't. Well, even George care. Lucas is. Let's call. We'll call George Lucas. So we'll work on that. In the meantime, well, we should have George Lucas call James Earl Jones. Because he knows he could, him. he could say just some Darth Vader <laughs> stuff. I don't care. It'd just be cool to have James Earl Jones on the podcast. Be like, I'm James Earl Jones. <laughs> That's great. Sorry. I think that uh, everyone listening to the show should actually go to performancedrift.com and buy a performance box, though. That's really what, what I think is important. Here. That's very true, because the F1 show is supported by the performance box, a GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. Perfect for any car nut to use at track days, autocrosses, or simply to see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. 
For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. That's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E, drift.com. Wow, because spelling it that quickly really helps people. No, but here, here in the U.S., it's getting warm out, and uh, track day season is starting up, so definitely pick up one of those. Only 500 beans, man. That'll be great. Yes, and that wraps up this episode. I um, believe it does. We've got two weekends off in uh, between now and the next race, which is going to be Valencia in Spain, the Spanish April Grand Prix. So uh, hopefully, um, you know, you can not die in the meantime and be back for us. Whoa, so morbid. I mean, I'm just saying. Enjoy yourselves. Go outside. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, have a barbecue. I was, I was going to say, hopefully, you can find another F1 show, uh, an F1 podcast. But what other what? F, what other F1 podcast could there be that'd be Jim, anywhere near Jim, as good as ours? You're losing me. Quick I, here. I, okay, so I'm just have have a wonderful couple of weeks, and uh, we'll be back after the Spanish Grand Prix. And until then, I'm Jim Lau, and I'm Robin Warner. Yeah. <laughs>